You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. More than likely be the 49ers quarterback in 2023 to start the year, according to Ian Rappaport. What's the truth behind it? Me and John, we're going to break it down. We're going to give you guys our thoughts right after this. What's going on, everybody? It's been a minute, but it's always fun. We've got a special guest today. John Chapman joins the channel. How you doing, man? Man, I am incredible, Rohan. I uh, It's been a weird week with the Niners, I think, just because yeah. everybody's taking these statements and going their different ways with it. But it's been a great week. And so I'm really, really excited just to kind of talk and chit-chat and kind of figure some of these things out because – it's weird. It's murky waters out there, my friend. <laughs> it's just kind of a weird one, and uh, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll get to it. And Big Papa, I see you with the comments already. We're, we're gonna we're gonna hey. make some sense out of this one, man. So just just to clarify for those of you guys coming from John's channel, I'm the one who created the stream. So it's a little bit of a different format, different background, obviously, different thumbnail, all that kind of different stuff. But nonetheless, glad to be on the show thank you guys all for tuning in so, uh, the, thus far with obviously the hashtag cc oh i love it classic yeah but john man 49ers i mean this is a team where you always have some news going on about what what was your initial takeaway let's start with the press conference what was your initial takeaway first hearing john lynch speak you know first time in a way we've heard definitively from one of the top guys not a player but top guys say that brock purdy was the guy yeah, you know, it we went on this crazy journey last year. I mean, I mean it was just bananas. The the entire and you could say this for I don't know, 6 years running at the 49ers quarterback position. But when John Lynch came out and said, you know, we love Brock. And right. rightfully so. That dude did things that a 49ers quarterback has never done. The amount of consecutive games with two touchdown passes in a row. Never been done before in the entire 49ers history of quarterbacks. That's Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia days, Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith, you know, Jimmy G. Doesn't matter. Nobody's ever done what he did. And he was doing it at the perfect time. You know, rolling into – I'll go back. The most fun game 
there's two games in the history of my 49ers fandom that just stick out so much. Number one is the wild card win over the Cowboys in Dallas last year. That was incredible for me going back home with my buddies, and it was just awesome seeing all those Cowboys fans miserable. The second game that comes to mind is the Miami game this year. When Jimmy G goes down, and it's not because like I was happy Jimmy got hurt. Absolutely not. In fact, when Jimmy got hurt, I got pissed off, said cuss words, went and got a beer to drink my sorrows away, came back, and the whole time was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, because it was Brock Purdy. Brock, he, he set the freaking house on fire, man. He was so high. Right. So yeah, I, have exactly. no, I have no problem with the, man, we are in love with Brock Purdy. And I think both Kyle and John Lynch created that narrative and supported that, and rightfully so. And if Brock was healthy – and I think both of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan noted this. If Brock was healthy, he's the leader in the clubhouse. He's our guy. He's quarterback one. Whatever you want to put on that. No problems. But he's not healthy. And this is where it gets crazy, Rohan. I know. I know. I mean, you, you said it right. Right now, he's not healthy. And so that's, to me... I wasn't surprised that he said what he said because, I mean, the, the reality is you've got a quarterback who showcased his talent in eight games. Do I think that Brock Purdy right now is a little overrated because too many people are buying into the storyline? Yes, but does that mean that his play wasn't that good? No. He was still the best. He was the best quarterback that we've seen in this system in the Kyle Shanahan era, I'll say that. Like Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, you could maybe compare it to his 2019 uh, season. But really, in my opinion, I thought Brock Purdy, his eight-game stretch was the best that we've seen. And while it might not be saying too much given the competition, it's still, you know, something that we haven't seen with the 49ers. I would say this. I, I want to take your statement a little bit further. And I think you teed it up perfectly. I would take Brock Purdy's only eight games we have seen the eight consecutive games we have seen, I would take those eight games over any of Jimmy Garoppolo's best eight games. If you put Jimmy's best eight from the five years versus Brock's first eight, Brock still wins that one. Like His stats, his gameplay, his game management, the lack of turnovers, the big plays. I'll take rookie Brock Purdy over the best Jimmy G. And not that I'm trying to be anti-Jimmy G. That's not what it is mm -hmm. at all. We saw the playmaking ability. It did dissipate those last three games a little bit, but it was the playoffs. I totally get that. But, man, I'm backing you up there, Rohan. I, those games by Brock Purdy are better than any. You know, you, you pick the eight best Jimmy games, I'm taking Brock's eight over. And, again, you got a five-and-a-half-year sample size there. Right. Right. I mean, I, that's just something to say about Brock Purdy. And so to me, like I said, I'm not surprised. It, I mean, he's the clear right now, the leader in the locker room. He's that guy right now, just because he's the guy who's played. He's the guy who this team rallied around last year and saw their season essentially get rejuvenated after it was deemed to be dead. You know, going to a seventh round pick with no experience. He rejuvenated it just like that right in that one game. Uh, where he played in the Mi uh, against the Miami Dolphins. And so I understand it. But the intriguing part is the part you brought up. The dude is injured, and we don't know when he's going to return. Kyle Shanahan provided some clarity on that. But Lynch spoke as if they expect Brock Purdy to be their guy when he comes back. And so he, when he talked about um, – uh, the other quarterbacks, he essentially said something along the lines of, uh, we hope that they can hold down the fort until Brock's back. And 
We don't know exactly when that will be, but does show a good sign of faith, and it kind of correlates with all of what the major media has been saying is that the 49ers are leaning towards Brock Purdy regardless. Yeah, I, I think and this is this is the way the 49ers have done things is you can lose your job because of injury, and it's not because of injury. It's because somebody outplayed you. What Brock has put on tape is better than what we have seen from Trey, but we haven't seen much of Trey. Literally, Brock Purdy's played in twice as many games as Trey Lance has already, even right. though it's been two years for Trey, uh, only half of a year for Brock, but it doesn't matter. And John, you know, Kyle said this if Trey came in and played exactly like Brock did, then everybody would be like, oh, you're sticking with Trey, right? So, like, that's the narrative. Exactly. But again, I mean, I'm gonna keep like the title of this episode should be, but. But he's hurt now. And Kyle introduced something new that we haven't heard and that it could be six to eight months. And we're right. not going to find out till the first week of June. That's that three-month period where they go back in, they get like reassess how the body's healing, swelling, all that kind of stuff, whatever else. Then the timeline will be set there. If that's the eight-month mark, now if we're being pessimists here, you're talking week seven or eight or game seven or eight, depending on the bye week of the 49ers, if it's early or not, man, you're two months into the season. So, and I think the title of the show kind of alludes to this and where we want to go with this conversation is let's just assume, okay, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Let's prepare for the worst. Let's say Brock's out for a month or two months of the regular season. Now who's the guy? That's a fun conversation. Sam Darnold or Trey Lance? And that's a good question. And before I answer your question there, you bring up the six to eight month timeline. Week one, he said week four at the latest. It's really intriguing because that's weird. that was weird to me because he said six to eight months, week one or week four. That's six to seven months. That's not six to eight months. Right. And the one thing that I'll, I'll point out, the one piece of evidence that we have in regard to this really unique injury, Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins returned to to practice in six yep. months yep but he didn't he was not at full strength until the seven to eight month mark that is what kyle shanahan is alluding to in that remember there's a there's a difference between being cleared and being ready to play because you've got to rebuild that arm strength doctors have come out and said i remember uh they told the athletic how that uh there might be some lingering arm soreness i think is how they how they coined it and this is a guy who ultimately, in regard, in, in reality, doesn't have the strongest arm so far, and so that is it, it's a tough, tough, tough uh, kind of ground to, to to see, especially because you don't know what he's going to be like when he returns. Is he going to be 100%? Now, the three month period will provide a lot more clarity into what that exact timeline is, but it does now pose the question, especially because it's the question for the entirety of this offseason: Sam or Trey. Want to get your th your take? What what's kind of like uh, where where is your mind at right now with this quarterback so called competition? Yeah, I, I do think that it is going to be a competition, but the 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 statement that is interesting to me, Kyle comes out and says both will get some first team reps. Like that's that's what he said. Both will get some first team reps. It took like ninety seconds, and Ian Rappaport. And everybody said, oh, they're, you know, they're, what's it called? 50-50 first team reps, competition, open, you know, and I didn't get that from anything that Kyle said. 
you can go to last year. Nate Sudfeld was getting first team reps in training camp with mm -hmm. Trey Lance. Like that's pretty typical when you have a quarterback one and a quarterback two. Like you want your backup quarterback to get some first team reps. That's gonna happen. I mean, there are every single quarterback takes a day off in training camp. What it like? So I don't know. I think there's way it's gone way overblown with what what the national media is. You know, they asked Ian Rappaport on NFL Network. Who's going to be the quarterback for the 49ers week one? He didn't even say Trey Lance's name. No. Now, no. And, and that's just, you know, it, I, I like Ian. I think that he does great work. Um, but Ian's been wrong on Trey Lance since day one. And I think that has continued to be the case. They were really big on Sam Darnold and they were wrong there. And so it's, it's a little bit of a hedge by the national media. We all do it. And I'm probably guilty the other way because I'm way in on Trey Lance and have mm -hmm. been. So maybe my bias is screaming a little bit. But, man, if I'm putting odds, you know, on who's starting week one, man, I'm at about a 90% Trey Lance take. Like, that's, that's, I mean, maybe he gets injured. Maybe Brock comes back early. But I don't see Sam Darnold, quote, unquote, beating out Trey Lance they're going to give him an opportunity to see what he can do. That's just my take. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I think that that's fair. And here's what I want to say for the disclaimer about first-team reps. Well, even last year, right, where Trey Lance was anointed QB1, like you said, they interchange personnel groups. So the second-team cornerbacks will play against the first-team offense. The first-team cornerbacks will play against the second-team offense. And, and the wide receivers, I mean, they're like – you'll see Brandon Ayuk and Depot Samuel run with the second team. And then because it's not only trying to get, uh, you know, the backup quarterbacks and reps – you want to get the backups in general some reps because at every other position, there is some cycle that'll go on. You want to get Danny Gray some reps, so you throw him in there with the first-team offense at the slot. You want McLeod to get some reps, you throw him in there, right? A lot of plays, if you go – I have an entire notebook of the entire uh, play description of every day. You'll go back and you'll see yeah. Ray Ray McLeod catches a pass from Trey Lance, right? Or uh, one of the backup running backs got a run with the first team offense that's normal which is why my curiosity is peaked when i want to see what is the rep distribution do they mm -hmm. do they legitimately mean that sam donald is going to get a good amount of first team reps or instead is it more so he's going to get an opportunity to work with the first team offense because there, there are two different uh categories there and the 49ers operated differently but it is a change in dialogue from last offseason where they unequivocally made lance the starter this time 
not not even close. It's it, he, Kyle Shanahan has willingly said both are going to get first team reps, praising Sam Donald. Yeah, and you know, just to go back to your statement before about positions rotating at practice, man, I've been in those coaches' meetings. You know, I've been an OC, I've been a head coach, and you have five running backs getting rotation for the 49ers. You have two quarterbacks. You have nine wide receivers. You got two quarterbacks. You have 12 old linemen. You got two quarterbacks. The rotations don't match up. You'll never be out there. You know, maybe whenever you're going full 11 on 11 padded practice, you'll say, all right, offensive ones, defensive twos. But that's pretty rare. When you're doing install, when you're doing passing scale, when you're doing inside drill, it's just rotating. And the offensive line coach will have his rotation set. The quarterbacks will have theirs. The wide receiver, they don't all match up because there's just not enough snaps to go around for all the different positions. So I already know what's going to happen, and somebody's going to get a clip of Sam Darnold out there with Debo and Ayuk, and they're going to blow it out of proportion and whatever else. That's going to happen regardless. If there was a a third-string quarterback, right? Let's say the Niners draft a guy, which I think they will, or an undrafted free agent. They have to have three camp arms. Brock's not going to be there for the camp. That third guy is going to get reps with Debo. Like, like that's just the way football practices facilitate because you're not so concerned like, oh, no, I don't want Trey throwing to Tate Martin. Like, there's no coach that's going to do that. Mm-hmm. You care about the just cycle efficiency, which Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's huge on. It, it, it's much to do about nothing, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, it, a, a question that I got an email, and I wanted to ask you this, Rohan. This is from Jonathan. See, not Jonathan. I spelled my name differently. Not me. Um, he says, you know, I'm curious. Sam Darnold has to learn the Shanahan offense. Trey's already been in there for two years. Yeah. Um, is it reasonable to think Darnold will be ready for that as opposed to Trey, who back-to-back years has put in the most time in the playbook digitally. They track that, the Niners. Trey Lance is a playbook worm. Um, so what are your thoughts on Tr- Sam Darnold learning this new offense? I, I think that that's a very good point, right? A lot of people don't understand when you talk about Kyle Shanahan and this offense – it's tough to crack his rotation without no like without a full grasping of the playbook. I mean, we've seen it not not only at the quarterback position, we've seen it in other position groups. There have been players who are phased out in that rookie year trying to learn the system. Now, again, I think that it does become a little more simplified at the quarterback position in, in Kyle Shanahan's offense, understanding the amount of complexity that he hasn't really the amount that he uh, that he works with. But to me, I think that it's going to be I mean, it's going to be a learning process, but I don't think that that's going to be too, too significant against Donald, understanding that he's had NFL experience with multiple different systems. This is a new one, but again, I think that he's going to work to his, it's it's going to work more so in his benefit, understanding who he's going to play around. But John, I want to say this, and this is my the biggest takeaway that I have from this entire kind of quarterback competition controversy. People really get scared by the idea of a competition. It's funny. People don't understand exactly what a competition is. There is a competition every time two people step out on that field. Whether you want to believe it or not, there is like, okay, I'll, I'll just give the best position group. Defensive line, we had 17 guys out there last year. There was a clear first team, a clear second team, a third team, a fourth team. But if you best believe one guy on that third team is fighting for a guy on that second team spot, one guy on that second team is fighting for a guy on that first team spot, even when it's not as clear as you might, as it seems, 
there is still a competition going on. When there's a first stringer and a second stringer, there is a competition going on. The only time where there's no competition is when there's legitimately no backup at the position. And so I think people keep getting afraid of the word competition. Think of it this way. Nick Bosa and Charles O'Menehue were in a competition to get more reps. Are you worried yeah. that Nick Bosa is not going to get more reps? No. Why? Because you have confidence that Nick Bosa is going to win the competition, understanding he's the better player. So the way that I look at it is, if those that are really, really, uh, uh, really shocked that this might be a competition, understand there is a level of confidence you have in Trey Lance. He should absolutely have to beat out Sam Darnold because if he can't beat out Sam Darnold, he's not the 49ers guy. He's not your franchise quarterback if he can't beat out what I believe to be a low-end starter, what his film showcases as a low-end starter. If he can beat him out, well, guess what? You've got a guy better than that, and you might have your guy. The whole point is you, you, you absolutely should have to beat him out because if you don't, then, I mean, that's an issue. People should not be worried about there being a competition if you believe that much in Trey Lance. Yeah, and, you know, sticking with, you know, just training camps in general, Jimmy Garoppolo was notoriously, notoriously one of the worst practicing quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, that's just not what he did well. When the game showed up, he was kind of at his best, and, you know, the wins and all that stuff kind of, you know, came. But Jimmy, like, sorry, back to Trey Lance, like, he was on record, I think it was Rich Eisen's show, just about a month ago, where he said, all I want is a chance to compete. That's all he wants. It, Trey Lance never came in here all high and mighty, whatever else. Remember the humility and all the whatever he was drafted. He goes into the game, and it was after he threw his first interception, the press conference afterwards. I got to be better. I made a bad choice. I like this is he's 22. And I, I know that's old for you, Rohan, but that's young for me, my friend. And the way in which he he just prepares himself and his approach to everything off the field. You go back and you watch those games, which I was physically at most of the games, so I wasn't watching through the broadcast view. When the offense came off the field, the very first person that was there to greet the offense after score drives, field goal drives, touchdown drives, turnovers, three and outs, didn't matter. Every single time. And this has been noted by Shanahan as well. Trey Lance was the first person on the field to greet the offense coming off the entirety the, once he was out of the boot um, of the entire season. Like, this kid gets it. And he's been around competition. He played baseball. He played basketball. He played football. It's got to be a competition. That's not a bad thing. May the best man win. And what I keep going back to, and I understand, I see it in the chat too, there's people that are Trey Lance fans. There's people that are Brock Purdy fans. There's people that are Jimmy Garoppolo fans. I don't give a damn. Exactly. I'm, I'm a 49ers quarterback fan. Do I want Trey Lance to win the job outright? I do, but I freaking love me some Brock Purdy. And if he's the guy, so be it. That's awesome. Love Brock Purdy. Like this is not, this should not be a dissenting factor. Social media forces us to fight each other. It's just the way it goes. So I understand that. But this should not be something that, you know, pulls fans apart. And, you know, I, I don't want to see that. Hope for somebody. But don't root against someone, right? If, if you are anti, let's say it this way. Let, there's just a group of people that just hate Trey Lance for whatever reason. I fill in the blank. A myriad of reasons. I don't get that. And that, by proxy, makes them Brock Purdy or Jimmy G fans. Just root for the position, man. Have your guy that you want to win. That's good. But don't go against the other guy. That's unhealthy. and That just creates... Ah, it's, it's nastiness, man. That's not fun. 
Exactly. I mean, exactly. And it's the whole point. It's good to understand that. I mean, it's good to be a fan of a player. It's totally fine understanding, you know, what they provide to the table. But it's also important to look at it from the objective viewpoint of, look, I mean, in Trey Lance's case, we haven't seen him play. There's a clear argument as to why there should be questions about him. In Brock Purdy's case, not only is he injured, you know, there were some inconsistencies in that play, but the biggest thing is he's injured. In Sam Donald's case, he hasn't been good in the NFL yet. I mean, that, it, it, flat out, he's been a low-end starter. And so, you know, there are several questions you need to be answered. Important to look at it from that viewpoint rather than because I, I don't like this guy for whatever reasons, I've got to go with one of the other two guys, that type of thing. But we've got a great question here from Alfaro in the chat. Should we be surprised that both players in management, including Shanahan, just want the best option to win at this point. It's awesome, man. Like, it's funny that, like, I, I, I even see, I think I saw earlier this chat, and I've seen on Twitter, like, man, if Trey isn't a top 10 quarterback, people need to be held responsible. And I'm like, what? Like, you've got a GM of the year that has won that. You have Kyle Shanahan, who's been runner-up for coach of the year twice in four years. Like, you got to calm down just a little bit. Like, Ryan Pace is still the GM of the Chicago Bears, for crying out loud. Look what he's been through. Like, the 49ers got it pretty damn good. And, yes, I would love the development of Trey, and I do value that very high, but not at the expense. And, again, I'm a Trey Lance guy. Not at the expense of winning games. And you go back to Trey Lance's rookie year. They chose Jimmy. They rolled with Jimmy. They got to the NFC Championship. They got to the NFC Championship. Yep. That was a win. That's a good year. I mean, some teams have never been to the NFC Championship. Like, that was a great year. And Trey got a watch and whatever else, and then you move forward. Like, I'm not changing that. That was the right call. Rolling forward with Trey Lance last year. Look, if Jimmy goes somewhere else, great. We'll bring him in on a backup deal. That was great, too. He got hurt after five quarters. That sucks. But the decisions for Trey have been appropriate. I mean, they had him on the Mahomes plan, right? Like, nobody's looking at Andy Reid like, oh, you wasted a year of Patrick Mahomes' career. How dare you do wrong by – like, come on, guys. Things didn't go well because of the injury. It's football. Life happens. I love this front office. I love this coaching staff. We've lost more coaches and front office members than any other team in the NFL in five years. There's a reason why. There's a reason why. I mean, I, I do agree. I, I really do agree. And when you talk about this topic, I think the 49ers more than ever are in this in, in this mindset of right now it's just all about winning. Why? Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are now in year seven of this um, of this, I, I guess, of their uh, of the transition. They've yet to win the Super Bowl. They've yet to find their franchise quarterback. They have yet to really accomplish that one main goal. They've been there. They've been close. They've been to the Super Bowl. They've been to the NFC Championship three times in four years. There's, uh, it's un undeniable that they haven't that they've experienced success so far. But it comes down to the Super Bowl. And here's the here's the argument that I'm going to present. What you're banking on right now, 49ers are going to likely make the playoffs. I mean, I think that that's a certainty with their roster. Uh, unless there's a, a flow of injuries that occurs. You're banking on who the quarterback is going to be, what their floor is week 18. At this point, you aren't banking on potential. 
Trey Lance's potential is wonderful, but if he can't produce right now, that is not going to help the 49ers understanding what the way that their contract situation is. You have a one to two year championship window. After that, it's a reset. You've got to move on from pieces and likely they'll have to move on from some pieces or maybe even more than one next year, understanding where their salary cap currently is and who they have to bring back. You've got a current championship window. They need to capitalize in the next one to two years. That's the now. But the 49ers also have a capable roster where whoever they place at quarterback will likely make the playoffs with the team that they have and the coaching that they have. And so to me, I identify who do I think can win this team uh, or can be the best quarterback in week 18. What is their floor in week 18? Not what is their floor week one of next year, but also I want to see can their floor improve to where week 18 is? And that was the whole idea of uh, behind the 49ers drafting Trey Lance. The hope that his development for 18 weeks places him at a floor where that floor is good enough for a quarterback to win a championship. That is where I believe the 49ers are looking. However, if Sam, uh, if Sam Donald or Brock Purdy proved to be better than Trey Lance, or if Trey Lance proves essentially that he can't be that guy, you can't necessarily just continue to say, guess what? We're just going to roll with him. If he ain't the guy, he ain't the guy, but we have to roll with him based on the draft capital. And I mean, I think the 49ers understand that they've now come to terms with some of their free, uh, some of their draft picks where they've cut them essentially after they have Colt McKivitz, right? He's starter now. Yeah. Cut him. And now he's starting. Yeah, exactly. It's real world out there, folks. And and, and like, I think another problem, I agree with you. I I think, I think you've, you, you, you nailed it, but like, a lot of people just watch Niners content, and that's not a bad thing. But whenever you step out of your 49ers like worldview and you look around the NFL, it it adds perspective, right? For example, we were just talking about the coaching staff. Imagine if Kyle and John Lynch did this with the Cleveland Browns. They would be in their Hall of Fame. They would be in their Hall of Honor and names put up on the stadium, three out of four NFC championships, right? Uh, like, are they be the AFC? But still, the, the, it still remains. You look at the quarterback position. Look at the Packers. How long did Aaron Rodgers sit? How long is Jordan Love sitting, who's just now stepping in? This is the way things happen in the NFL sometimes. We want immediate now. Oh, my gosh. Tonight on our Patreon, we are doing a 1994 watch party, okay? And we're on week five, 49ers versus the Eagles. Now, a reminder, for those who may not know, the 49ers won the Super Bowl in 1994. It's our last Super Bowl victory. But in week five, the game we're watching tonight, Steve Young got benched in the game. They benched him. How quickly we forget. It, it, it's not just a steady uphill climb. Things go wrong in football games, in life, uh, through the trajectory of a season. That's just the way it is. And you got to overcome it. And sadly, because we have to wait so long for football, right? We focus so much on training camp. We focus so much on week one. This problem is going to be solved organically. And what I mean by that is... It's not like Kyle and John are saying, well, we got to let Trey Lance develop, so we're going to throw him out there and see what happens. It's Brock Purdy cannot play physically, so we get this extra quote-unquote bonus time to see. Now, if during this bonus time that we get to allow Trey Lance to get quarterback one reps and all that stuff and preseason and what blah, 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 if he's ready, if, if Trey comes out, and plays just to the level of Brock Purdy, 
they're going to stick with Trey Lance. Do you agree with that? I think so. Um, and I, I, I think that, like, are you saying, like, in season? Yeah, so, like, let, yeah. let's just, okay. It, it First four weeks of the season, Trey Lance averages the exact same completion percentage, touchdown-to-interception ratio, as Brock Purdy did over his eight games. Like, literally, the exact same play style. And, you know, gets those wins and whatever else. They're not going to switch from a 4-0 and Trey Lance to Brock Purdy. They'll say, well, we've got Brock Purdy, and we're just going to make sure he's fully healthy, and we're going to give him all the time he needs because that's best for Brock. Like, that's the terminology. That was a terrible Kyle Shanahan impression. But uh, hopefully you, you got the alternative voice there. That's just what they do. That's what they do with everything. That's just the way they handle business, and I don't disagree with that. I don't think that they do it in a wrong way. No, I agree, and I mean, I'll, I'll back that up with look at what the 49ers have done. The one thing that I'll say about Kyle Shanahan where I think that um, he, he's done well is stuck by his quarterback and instilled confidence in his quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. he, he admitted he was thinking about pulling him in 2021 when the season was nearly done, but he stuck with him, ended up uh, going on the winning streak, and the 49ers made the playoffs and the end of the championship game. He stuck with this guy, and I think that, I mean, this is what I'll say. The ball is in Trey Lance's court. I think it's ultimately up to him on how this offseason goes because Nailed if he it. if he performs well, I mean, he's if he he's given the opportunity right now. Brock cannot play. Sam Darnold is coming in, but it seems like Trey is the presumed favorite understanding where his potential is and where he could potentially be if he can uh, obviously translate that into becoming his floor. If he can if he can show he's the guy, I mean, he's got the opportunity to do it. He's if he can at least beat out Sam Darnold, he starts week one. If he can then show during a small body of games that he can perform at a high level, you roll with him continuously. And I think that that's how it is. Trey Lance has to prove that he's the guy. If he can't, then you obviously revert back to Purdy once that full health uh, is there. But if he can, then you've got a good solution on your hands. You know, it. I had on one of my favorite people in the world, Steph Sanchez. She's the best. 49 yeah. Carrots podcast. I had her on right before the season last year, and I asked her. It was a weird question. I was like, you know, if you had to describe the 49ers headed into this season, what word or phrase comes to mind? And she said insulated. And I think that that bared true. And the Sam Darnold signing, I really think, has just further insulated this quarterback position to where, look, Trey gets an extra chance. We're going to see what his upside is. If for some reason, injury, which he's been injured a lot, or he doesn't perform. We haven't seen him perform a lot. Guess what? Sam Darnold is not a bad, viable option until Brock Purdy comes back. So you have your upside play, Trey Lance. You have your huge backup parachute net, Sam Darnold. And guess what? If both of those things fail, you got the steady, consistent ride of Brock Purdy. That's three great options. It's not a negative. And I know we pit everybody against each other. I know I kind of already said that, but man, don't you feel better than having Nick Mullins as your quarterback too? Like that's the other option that's out there. And Nick Mullins great, but I would prefer Brock Purdy over Nick Mullins. I prefer Trey Lance over Nick Mullins. I prefer Sam Darnold over Nick Mullins. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that. I mean, I think that that's fair. I do think that that's definitely fair. I apologize and, to the Mullins family. I mean, Nick. Uh, Nick's a good. He got paid though, he so was I. A good time. Yeah, he got. He got. He got. He got his thing. So he he's solid. He's solid. Uh, going on to some other questions. This is an interesting one. I want to phrase it a little differently. Levitch brings up the Niners signing some bigger linemen, tells us they're playing, they're playing on a pocket passer. 
49ers did sign some big linemen. Do you do you have a similar takeaway? Um, what's kind of your thought process behind? It? Not gonna lie, he got us in the first half, right? I, I wish I could put that meme up there right now or the gif. Yeah, they went bigger linemen when they drafted Trey Lance, right? That's when they drafted Aaron Banks. That's when they went and got some of these bigger guys. Shanahan is shifting. I talked about this a little bit. Uh, I had Brian Peacock on the show last night. It, it, we brought this up, and we did like he did a whole bit on it. It was really really good. Shanahan is changing the mold in which he is drafting certain positions, offensive line and running back, to name a few. Because in the past, when I was doing my draft work, you know, I, I would I would literally not watch tape of anybody that was three hundred thirty pounds or more. Just wouldn't do it. Never touched them. He never touched those guys. Drafted Aaron Banks, just signed John Valenciano, just signed Matt Pryor, all 330-plus. In the past, those were not zone guys. But the NFL continues to get bigger, stronger, faster. And so it seems like Shanahan is valuing a larger-framed big guy who can also move. And mm -hmm. so he's trying to get, get his cake and eat it too, right? Because he wants the mobility of the zone style lineman, but he wants the frame of the power scheme. And so I don't think I, I'm with you, Levish. Yes. He's going after bigger guys Two, I don't think that's for a pocket passer. We, we saw this transition start when they drafted Trey Lance. And I think he just wants, I think he wants bigger guys um, who can move, but that's just my take on that. I, I, I think that that's fair. I mean, you're right. It did. There was a transition, right? Elijah Mitchell was also a guy who was around 220 pounds when he was drafted. Yep. He was a bigger running back. I mean, Randy Mostert. Exactly. They, they they were a little bit of a different style in terms of their running uh, uh in terms of their running styles. And you brought up Aaron Banks. I mean, 49ers. I, I know Lavish is pointing to the signing of Matt Pryor, and I mean the current form of the 49ers offensive line. I think it's interesting for sure. And I mean, I, playing on a pocket passer. That's what they wanted Trey Lance to be. I mean, he's a mobile quarterback. But they also want him to be a pocket passer. So definitely, I definitely understand what you mean. But, I mean, this new form of scheme, I think the 49ers are adapting essentially to their personnel. Yeah, I, I think that's what it is. And, you know, again, you remember where every running back was 4-3? Every single mm -hmm. running back. If they didn't run the 4-3, I, I remember doing my draft book and saying, man, he's a 4-4-5 guy. I don't think Shanahan wants him at running back. Now, you almost got to throw the 40-yard dash out. Jeff Wilson Jr., Ty Davis-Price, Trey Sermon, Jordan Mason, Elijah Mitchell, who was a pretty fast guy. But, like, he's going for these big dudes. And so it, it's it's weird um, because used to, I just – it would save me so much time because I didn't have to watch these O-linemen or these running backs. But now it's just like, good gosh – Kyle did it to me. Now I don't know. <laughs> so that's why I have, I'm up to th uh, 298 player profiles uh, written. So thanks a lot, wow. Kyle. I appreciate 298, that. 298. We're working, man. We're grinding over there. That's perfect. That's perfect. Let's transition a little bit to the second half of this show. Because I see some uh, draft talk here, draft Ooh. questions. want to ask you, because we actually haven't talked about the draft. Who who, who are you liking uh, so far? Who, who, what's, man. Or what position group has kind of caught your eye? So tight ends are fun. Um, I just finalized all my tight end because we, we, and shout out to Josh 40 hours faithful forever. He's part of our draft team. He is killing it. Brian white, uh, Brian Carter, Clayton. We've got a really good team. That's putting together a lot of stuff. 
Um, so I did 20 tight ends that I have draft graded and I lined them vertically against each other, right? First, second round, whatever. Um, there's a lot of really good tight ends that are perfect fits for the 49ers. Um, guys, you know, Britton Strange out of Penn State, Payne Durham out of Purdue. And it's really, you can get these guys, what do you want? Do you want the move tight end that can do everything and run after the catch ability? Awesome. That is there. Do you want the extra lineman that just got to come in and help block? Guess what? That's there. Um, you know, if that's what you want, Noah Grindorf out of North Dakota State, one of Trey Lance's old teammates. Dude's just like a right tackle plus. Uh, does a little bit of the passing game, but he's just a huge body out there. So the tight end's been really fun. Probably one of the deepest positions in the draft. Niners are grabbing somebody. They met with a lot of them. Um and, you know, again, back to good old Steph Sanchez. She, she's been crushing it. But if we just look at, you know, the tight ends that they have met with, Josh Weil out of Cincinnati, I got a third-round grade. Brandon Willis, um, you know, he's a later guy, more of a fullback. He's right. a six-round pick. Davis Allen, Clemson, he's a do-it-all guy. Um, I, I like Davis Allen. He's a fifth-round guy. Sam Laporta would be great second-round guy. Like, they've met with so many of these cats. So tight end's got to be a third round or a fifth round pick in my my estimation. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and I think that that's uh, important because you 49ers have gone after tight ends before. It's not like they haven't tried to fulfill that position. They they tried it with Jordan Reed back uh, in the early days of the Shanahan era. Obviously, his injuries didn't pan out. Then they drafted Ross Dwelly. Then they got uh, went after uh, Charlie Warner. I mean, they've tried these different cost-effective solutions Unfortunately, none of them have really panned out the way that they've wanted. And what's the value? I think not only do the 49ers understand the value of a second tight end, the entirety of the NFL is starting to understand it. You saw the you continue to see for the second straight offseason, the tight end market and free agency blossoms. These backups are getting five to seven million a year. Why? Yeah. Because you have to understand the importance of 21 personnel. When you have two tight ends on the field, you force the defense to then bring in another guy in the front seven. A lot of teams are going to their nickel look early on. They are lightening the boxes, drafting bigger guys in the front so that they can defend the run well while defending the back end with five to six guys in terms of the amount of safeties and the amount of nickelbacks uh, or cornerbacks that you utilize. But when you match with 21 personnel, it's a heavier personnel. They've got a uh, they've got a uh, counteract with heavier guys in the front, and so you might have seven guys in the box there, and, and that obviously sets up your play action game because there's a lot more movement going on. And so it's important when you get these do it all guys, a guy like George Kittle, obviously not to that magnitude, but a guy who could uh, obviously not only block but also run routes well becomes a good fit in a, another mismatch for a team who already operates mismatches amongst the best in the NFL. Yeah. And you know, I think another thing too, with the tight end, it's the most difficult position to transfer from college to the NFL. It's the most difficult because you have to know all of the blocking scheme. You got to know the entire passing tree and all that kind of stuff too. So like, you know, if you're a fantasy football person, you know, rookie tight ends just don't perform. It's just mm -hmm. so difficult. Even with somebody like Kyle Pitts, he came in and blew the league away sophomore year. Holy freaking cow. Who is this guy? He disappeared. Um, and so tight ends rough. And the Niners have gotten lucky with Kittle in the fifth. Man, it's just this class. Oh, this class is fun, man. I, I cannot remember a time where this tight end class was so deep. And like the top end guys, like Darnell Washington, the giant behemoth out of Georgia, who's incredible. He's my tight end too. 
man, I would be salivating at the mouth to get a guy like that usually. Like, man, trade up, go get him, difference maker. But this draft class, man, you can get you can get a stud in the fifth round. Not not like somebody that's like, all right, developmental. No, 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 no. You're getting a stud in the fifth round. And so that's why I'm like, I don't want to trade him for a tight end. There's great guys there, and I love Sam Laporta. It'd be awesome to have two Iowa tight ends, but mm-hmm. I don't want to trade up for that. You get a one in the third round, I'd be happy, but fifth round, holy cow, fifth round circle tight ends go in there. Yeah, uh, and I mean, you talk about trading up, and that's where I want to bring in another position, right tackle, because Ooh. this guy here says, I hope we somehow land Cody Malk at right tackle. Malk, obviously, a guy projected to go in the middle round, second and third round, somewhere around there, and I mean, right tackle, tackle in general is tough to 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 look at because it's a position that normally gets overdrafted, understanding um, how important it is, how scarce the position is. And also, in a class like this where there's high-end talent and then a big drop-off, that run for that drop-off starts to go. When when, when those guys go, they, they normally go in bunches. They do. Maybe not I, necessarily Cody Mouch himself, but do you think that they could trade for a trade-up for one? I... The problem is this, guys. Uh, I, I don't want to be rude. Blake, Blake Freeland, you know, the BYU guy, he's gotten a lot of publicity. Cody Mock, the North Dakota State guy, they're awesome. And if you want to trade up for those guys, you've got to trade up to 50. Not yeah. trade up in the third round. Yeah. Not trade up to the back end of the second round. The draft always does this, okay? Quarterbacks, tackles, defensive ends. Those are the three positions. They always get pushed up. Why? Because teams can't get quality play. They can't get it. Offensive tackle is the least talented position in the NFL. What I mean by that is not that tackles aren't talented, but there's the least depth. Look what Mike McGlinchey just got paid. And remember how much we've all been frustrated with McGlinchey. I'm glad he got paid, by the way. Very happy for him. He deserved it. But tackles move up. I have Cody Mock as interior offensive lineman. And Shanahan's scheme, he could play tackle. He played tackle his entire – not his entire – he's played everywhere. But, man, it, it's it's rough out there to try to trade up and get one of these guys. And I think a lot of Niners Twitter and social media channels, they're missing the point with, man, I, I just don't think a lot of those guys are going to be there. Now, mm-hmm. some of the more realistic options at the tackle position, Matthew Bergeron, Syracuse, 49ers met with him. Jalen Duncan, Maryland, 49ers met with them. Tyler Steen, Alabama, 49ers met with him. So there are options. I don't think it's the names we want, though. And I know they're sexy and it's fun. And it's like, oh, Cody Mock. He's going to be on every team's board because even if you're a power scheme guy, you have him valued as an interior offensive lineman. If you're an outside zone team like the 49ers, you have him valued as a tackle. He's on every team's board. Every team. So... They're going to have to pass over him three times before we get the opportunity to get him. And that's why, dude, Blake Freeland, I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. Um, He gone, man. Like, you're going to have to trade, like, a future second rounder and a third this year and maybe a fifth to go get one of those guys. And I'm not sure that's worth all that capital. Right. And, I mean, when you talk about the position itself, a lot of people will point out, Man, I want to go get Darnell Wright. Man, I want to go get Matthew Bergeron. And Bergeron was one of my guys early on in the process. And then I realized, well, shit, he, he ain't gonna be there, bro. He he ain't <laughs> gonna be there. No. Nah, he 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 not even gonna be close. Like, if you want to go get those guys, you gotta go to the top 40. 
that that's that's the way it's going to work because understand that when you when you have these initial guys i'm talking about obviously the skronskis and all the uh, depending on where where you where you grade them you're gonna have four or five guys go in the first round and yeah. close to the first round and then there's a run like i said there are always these runs on positions wide receiver uh, tackle all sorts of different positions because you don't want to miss out. And so you're going to have to trade up into the top 50. That's just how it's going to work. If you want one of the top guys and it's tough for the 49ers to do that, understanding where they are, because not only like on paper, a trade, you can, you can facilitate trade, but you also have to understand the politics that come with the, the, the business decision making. And does a team want to drop 40 spots? 49ers don't have anything till 93. Does the team want to drop 40 spots? 99. 99. Yeah. So it's, uh, well, if we're going to 50, 50 spots. Does oh, yeah. I see. You're smarter than me. You did that yeah. real quick, Rohan. That was good. <laughs> but does the team want to drop 50 spots to, to uh, like, do they want to miss out when in a, I'll say it, a relatively weaker draft class, you might get more gems in the middle rounds compared to in the early rounds. Do they want to drop that much? Uh, to to make to facilitate a trade, it, it's tough. And um, also, if they trade up, it's likely it's going to require future capital. Is the team willing to part with a current pick for a future pick? Which means you essentially have to hedge your bets that you're in your job another year after that, and not in a year where you know it's a it's a tough situation for you. And we know Kyle and John want to trade in season, right? So like, they, any exactly. any picks you use in the future. Now I will say this. Next year, oh, I'm so excited. I hope we don't trade too much future draft capital because I wanted to throw a party in Kansas City, you know, 40 hours rush road trip there. And, you know, I already had the spot located, all that stuff. The Christian McCaffrey trade happens, which I love, but I was like, oh, damn, but I'm not, I'm not going to the draft now. <laughs> There's no picks. Next year, first, second, third rounder, we have we all have our originals. Picks. We have two picks. comp picks in the third yeah. round. So next year, going to be crazy. Please don't. If they trade, they get a stud. I'm going to be very happy. I know it will. But, man, I really – the draft is my jam. I oh, want to man. be there. I want to throw a party. I want to be with the faithful. Don't trade a first-rounder, please. Please. I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> Wherever it is, I'll be there if we have our first-round pick. Because I want to go. That's what I'm I haven't been about. to the draft. I wanted to go last year. And obviously not this year. But I want to go next year if we have a if we have a first-round pick. It'll be oh. fun to, to go through that process. Yeah, man. We got to get you out at uh, one of these road trips, man. Oh, we'll figure that out. We'll definitely figure that out uh, uh, whenever the time works. But going back to the draft itself, and I mean, we've talked about right tackle. We've talked about some of the some of the positions the 49ers are going with. What do you think now is the ideal draft for the 49ers? Do you think it's the 11 picks that they have? Where 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 do you think they need to address? Because they don't really have holes. So, what do you think the strategy, the process is to make this ideal draft uh, in 2023? I want all the dart throws as possible. I do want to spread out. Um, and we, I was talking about this with Peacock last night. Um, I hate for for mock draft purposes. It's kind of fun having the three third round picks all in a row. No yeah. picks in the fourth round. Three fifth round picks all in a row. No pick till the end of the sixth round, and you got that sixth seventh round. Those five picks clustered together. I want to. I want to widen those gaps. Agreed. So. I would be fine, similar to what we did with the Javon Kinlaw, Brandon Ayuk draft, right? Where you might fall back a little bit, but with the capital you fall back with, you jump up later. 
Um, that's what I want. So I like the number 11. If we shrunk that to 9 or 10, I'm cool with that. But I would like to cascade our picks a little bit more instead of cluster um, just so you can get those values a little bit better. Uh, because when you're on the clock at 99, 101, 102, what are the chances that you're going to have three guys within four picks of each other all the same value? It's just not going to happen that way. The board's not going to fall that way. So I think by just definition, they're going to have to reach on their number two and three guy. I don't want them to do that. So I'd like to fall back a little bit in the third and maybe jump up a little bit in the fifth or the sixth rounds. That That's what I want. So you give me nine to ten picks, I'm going to be happy. But I don't want to do a drastic trade up into the second round. This draft just does not scream value to me. Um, I think I have I currently have 13 first round picks. Like that's it. So from 14 to about 50 is they're all second round guys in in on my grading chart, right? But yeah, then if you look at fair. 51 to like 80 something, those are the same. And I think some of those guys will fall. And I think some of those guys will be there in the 90s. I, I think that that's fair. And I wonder what the 49ers do. I like your idea. I really do of spreading out. I think that that's important because, again, San Francisco likes to cover its bases. And the value of having those picks spread out is you have the opportunity when when it's presented. Like I said, teams teams are wary of where they make this move, right? They don't necessarily want to. They want to keep themselves insulated. That's the good word. They want to keep themselves insulated where they are. And so it's better off to have more spread out capital so that if you do want to facilitate trade up or trade down, there are like there are options for you to do that, uh, given the capital in in the round that you have, and so I think it's important to sp uh, spread those picks out, which might mean, like you said, a trade down and then a trade up, right? Uh, trying to trying to figure out where exactly is it soft spots land the the BPA targets that you're looking at, be it trading up in the in in the early third or uh, however that might go, and. I don't know if they'll draft 11 guys itself, and uh, it, I, I wonder if they draft 11 uh, because they obviously like the undrafted pool, and they might like it uh, in more than other, years more than other. We'll see. We'll see exactly how that goes, but I like the idea of spreading out some of those picks for sure. Yeah, it's. I'm just pumped, man. You know, we look at where we are right now. We are exactly a month, exactly a month away from the draft. Wow. Four weeks, wow. baby. Four weeks, one day. It's draft time. It's the best. It's it's here's one of my favorite one. If you've never been to the draft, you got to go to the draft because it's unlike any other sporting event. And the fact that almost all teams are represented, some teams don't have major fan bases, but everybody is hopeful and nobody's rooting against each other. You get some mm -hmm. trash talking stuff, but like you know, I've had amazing times talking to Packers fans and Bears fans and Jaguars fans. Because everybody's on cloud nine and nobody's at odds with each other because everybody's hopeful for their future at that time. Nobody sucks yet, right? Everybody thinks it's going to be their year. This guy's going to be amazing. Every pick that's made, everybody's like, you know what? I think it's a good pick. I think it's a good pick. Like, it's just so cool. It's such a really, really cool atmosphere. And man, we're a month away. And as soon as we get these guys drafted, I, I will have watched tape on everybody. But then it's like, okay, we did the shallow skim. Watched a game, two or three of each one of these guys. Now it's how do I get his high school film? You know what I'm right. like? I want I want a deep dive, baby. Let's go inception level deep. Let's figure out everything there is to know about these, you know, nine to eleven guys that the 49ers had. 
No, I agree. And I mean, the draft is always fun. I know you do your own uh, respective evaluations, which obviously you do a, a ton of them. I mean, you brought Man, up the amount of player profiles that you do. And you do a great job at it, too. And I mean, I, I love to always scout. Uh, I mean, I'm grateful to have the college film every year. So I love doing that scouting role scene, obviously, not only for the 49ers, but in general, who, who are good fits around the league so that you can track, you know, their NFL career, see exactly, see exactly how your scouting eye goes. The draft season, draft season's here, man. Free agency's done. It's draft season. A lot, a lot of talk is going to happen, but I mean, it's coming closer. Yeah, it's, it's cool, man. And I know that through the press conferences, and we've kind of gone through such a cool spectrum on the show, Rohan. Great job with the, you know, just lining everything up. But like, don't focus on the negatives and the contention and the arguments and all those things, unless that's your thing and you go enjoy that. Like, I always say this protect your fandom and enjoy this. If you're pissed off all the time, whatever you're consuming these co this content and stuff, maybe check yourself. Like, make this fun. This is grown men throwing a ball around for crying exactly. out loud. If you don't enjoy it, find a way to be happy. And like, I, I think that's important. And so I don't know. I, I I'm smiling like a little kid right now. Uh, I, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Once we're done with this show, I'm back into the notes and I'm going through interior offensive lineman film, which is not normal, but I'm really excited about it. And this is fun, man. You got to enjoy this as a fan. And if you're not enjoying this and you're pissed off all the time, uh, just maybe do an evaluation. Uh, not saying walk away or anything like that. Just figure out what your limit is to enjoy this. Uh, you mm -hmm. walk away from a show pissed off and mad, uh, just check yourself a little bit. That's all. No, 100%. 100%. But, John, this was a fantastic show. Obviously, you, you brought the heat. Thank you so much for tuning in. Any last thoughts before we head on out of here? Man, I, I'll say this. Do your research. Um, dive into mock draft simulators, uh, PFF, Pro Football Network, uh, Draft One. Uh, there's all kinds of draft networks out there. Like, play around with names and kind of see who is available in those third, fifth, seventh rounds. Do a little bit of research. Um, and I, I think it'll make the draft more enjoyable too in this draft process this next month. So I, th I think that's going to be fun. And so that's what I would recommend. And man, just again, protect your fandom, have fun, and support people like this awesome dude, Rohan, who's just incredible, man. I'm really excited to see what's in store for you, man. I know you're covering Wisconsin, you're doing the Niners. Dude's going to rule it all one day, man. I'm so pumped. Uh, just excited to see what, what you got coming. Hey, as always, I appreciate the support. I mean, a uh, great person here does a lot of good work. Be sure to go ahead and subscribe to John's channel. Come over to mine as well. Subscribe to mine. Big all the stuff is in the description, so be sure you guys check that all out. But, John, I appreciate you. Obviously, the people in the chat, y'all are the ones that make the show run. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you guys for your conversation and all of you guys for really contributing today. Uh, really appreciate it, and we'll see you guys next time, guys. Thank you guys so much. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
guidebook, guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.